Hallelujah. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to our newborn king. As I said when we started the service, when we declare Merry Christmas, we're not just declaring a, just a, a holiday phrase, but we're actually releasing our joy. We're releasing our praise in the fact that the anointed one has come. You know, Christmas is about gifts given and gifts received. You're like, Pastor, are you about the, the commercialism and all those different things? No, I, you can't get away from Christmas being the fact that it's about gifts given and gifts received. Why we celebrate Christmas is just what those angels declared on that day to the shepherds. It wasn't just three little angels just coming to say a few things. No, it was an army of angels that were declaring this on that night. You know, I was thinking about the song that I knew they were going to sing this morning. And, and, and I just had it in my heart to kind of study the song for just for a moment. And, and I went back and I researched where that song came from. And it actually was called The Christmas Hymn is what the original song was. It was written in 1739. And it was written by the guy, by the guy, by name, the guy's name of Charles Wesley and George Whitfield, which Charles Wesley is who founded the Methodist Church. And he wrote over 6,500 different writings, sermons, and poems, and hymns. And, and, and here, he was one of the greatest revivalists that, that ever, that, that changed his entire community in the 1700s. And yet he, he, in this song, if you read the, if you read all the verses, the gospel was preached in this song. And, and originally, it, when it was originally written in 1739, he wrote it like this. It says, hark how the Wilkins ring. Well, Wilkins is an old English word that, that, that came, had a German uh, background as well. Was, uh, I, don't, I don't know how German, but it's like Wolken. And it means clouds. So when he originally wrote this, he said, hark, how the, hearken, hark, how the heavens ring. Originally, it wasn't written with necessarily angels, but it was saying the heavens are declaring something. The heavens are Speaking something. And what are they speaking? And the next line after that first verse, it says, how the welkins ring or how the heavens ring. What do they ring? Glory to the king of kings. Glory to the king. What he was saying is that heaven came and announced something. Heaven came and declared something. And and what did heaven declare? Glory to the king of kings. Can you say it with me? Glory to. To the King of Kings. You know, the whole thing that, that the angels declared on that day when the shepherds were in the field, and Eric just read it peace on earth, goodwill towards all men. If you have your Bibles, turn to Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. You know, in that phrase, in what heaven declared that day, it declared, they declared God's heartbeat for humanity. What peace, goodwill. If you read verse 10 in that chapter, it says, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be for all people. I mean, I'm releasing, the angels were releasing, heaven was releasing and declaring good news. 
You know what good news does? Good news brings great joy. See, that's why today, when we came in here today, you should have been with great joy. Why? Because, because if you've already been in church and you've already heard the gospel, then, then there should be some good news that you're holding on to today. You know, if you raised your hand, you're believing for a miracle or believing a miracle for someone else. You're raising your hand. Why? Because you know good news. And because you know good news, therefore, you have great joy. And if you don't have joy right now, I'm believing that you're going to leave here with great joy because you're about to hear some great news. So Christmas, it's about gifts given and gifts received. So let's look at Titus chapter three. I believe this is probably going to come out different than the first service. So we'll, hallelujah. Let's look at verse four. Thank you, Lord. And the Amplified, it says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, to man appeared. Can we read that together in the Amplified? It says, but when the goodness and the loving kindness of God, our Savior, to man appeared. The goodness and the loving kindness of God. We celebrate the Christmas story. We're celebrating the goodness of God. Why? Because Jesus, this image up here is not just looking at a baby in a manger. But what is it? It is looking at the manifestation of the goodness of God in the earth. Now, if I look at the manger, I can see the manifestation of his goodness and his loving kindness. But if I look at the cross, I can see the fulfillment of it. I see the fulfillment of that goodness. I see the fulfillment of that loving kindness. So when the goodness and the loving kindness of God appeared, when it showed up, when it came out into the open, the goodness of God, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, to man appeared. And it says, he saved us. You see, that image of Jesus being in a manger is the goodness and the loving kindness of God appearing. But what was it to do? It was to save us. In Matthew 1, I believe it's verse 23 or 22, when the angel visited Joseph and he said... He said, and you shall call his name Jesus. Do you know actually what he, we, we say Jesus? Because that's how we, we recognize who's coming. But actually what the angel actually declared was, and you shall call his name Savior. Really, if you, you heard uh, the language at that time, what you would hear, you wouldn't hear Jesus. You would have heard Yeshua. You heard Savior. And then it says, and then it says this, it says, and for, for he shall save the people from their sins. You know, a, an administrator does what? They administrate. A survivor does what? They survive. Well, what does a Savior do? They save. You see, you know, just think about Jesus growing up for a moment in the home of Mary and Joseph. And every day they would call his name. They'd say, hey, Savior, come here. 
Uh, Savior, come here. Savior, you, Savior, you get it? Clean your room, Savior. Come on, Savior. You know, every time they called him, they're not calling him what we, heard, we would hear as Jesus. We, we say that so we can relate to who he's talking about. But ultimately, he was, they, he's saying, Savior, his name shall be Savior. Now, this whole aspect, he'll save the people from their sins. Now, we look at sin and we look at, at, look at it as a verb. We look at it as some sort of action that we take in. That we've, made, that we've made, a choice we've made, a thing what we've done, you know, someone classifying, you know, different sins. And, but this, this is actually a noun and it's referring to fallen humanity. So what is he saying? That this savior would come, do what? He would save them from everything that came in because of the result of the fall of man. What came in with the fall of man? Condemnation, shame, guilt, Fear, sickness, disease. There was not one time you, you saw in the garden when, when God created everything and he, 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 taught, he, he, he all of a sudden, he, he threw one in there and said, okay, and behold, I create cancer and it is good. No. See, nothing, nothing of that nature came in until the fall of man happened. And man handed the title deed over to Satan, the one of the God of this world. But yet it says, you shall call his name Jesus, Savior, and he shall save. I just wrote some words down that we can equate with save. One is, if someone saves you, they may have protected you. Someone saves you, they may have rescued you. If you save someone, you may have defended someone. Maybe it means healing. Maybe it means being elevated or lifted up out of a circumstance. Can anyone just raise a hand and say that? That's, God lifted you up out of circumstances. Amen. You see, when the loving, when the goodness and the loving kindness of God, Savior, appeared, it said to do what? To save us. See, this is a, a celebration of his goodness. Christmas is a celebration of his goodness. Now, let's read the next verse. Verse five, he saved us, not because of any works of righteousness that we had done, but because of his own pity and mercy. What does the King James say? It says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. To all those words that we put with save, whether it's protect, rescue, defend, heal, elevate, lift up. Preserve, defend, all these different words. None of these things happen because you earned it or deserved it. Healing in your body is not a result of something you... Now, there's things in the natural you can do naturally, eating and so forth. And there's things you can do naturally. But ultimately, a miracle or healing is, is the fact of is supernatural. And it's not something that if I just do this good enough, then God's going to heal me. If I, if I just do this good enough, then, I, then finally I'll be righteous enough. If I just do enough of this, you know, well, maybe God will bless me. No, blessing came in when Jesus died on the cross and you received him. See, it has nothing to do with the works of righteousness that you have done, but it's according to his mercy. So not only is Christmas a celebration of his goodness, it's a celebration of his mercy. Yeah. 
Can you just lift your, just hold your hands out for a moment and just say this with me. Father God, I thank you for your mercy. I receive your mercy that's brought forgiveness. I receive mercy that brought healing. Thank you, Father, for your mercy today. Amen. You see, his mercy is God's heart and desire to get involved with you right in the middle of your mess. See, mercy is, when we talk about God's mercy, we're talking about us receiving things we don't deserve. Mercy is because of his mercy. Thank you, Father. Not because of works of righteousness, which we have done, but it was according to his mercy he saved us. Now, I want to, let's go to Genesis chapter 19. Genesis chapter 19. I want, to, I want us to see a picture of mercy in action. And I believe, ultimately, this is a, um, a type and shadow. Because the things in the Old Testament, Romans says, was written for our encouragement. That we might have comfort and hope in the scriptures. And I want us to see a picture of what I believe really has happened with us as believers. Or maybe you're not a believer. Maybe, maybe you've never made Jesus. Maybe you're, you've gone your own way to, for too long. But I want you to see what's available. And I believe this gives us a great insight and picture of what God's mercy has done for each one of us. Now, in this story, it's a story of, the story of Lot. And early on, just a little bit of history, you know, Lot and Abraham separate. They go different places, different lands. You know, Lot chose the, the, the best portion of land, and he went that direction. And he ended up going to an area called Sodom and Gomorrah. They prospered there, but they became inundated. And there's different scriptures I could show you that talked about that. That really, they had a lot of pressure. They had a lot of turmoil because of the environment that they were living in. And God comes to Abraham because, you know, it says Abraham's God's friend. And, and so God said, you know, hey, Abraham, I, I need to tell you something. I want to let you know that because of the iniquity is full in Sodom and Gomorrah, there, it is going to be destroyed. And Abraham all of a sudden intercedes on behalf of God, intercedes on behalf and says, come on, God, if, if there's 50 righteous people, would you spare it? Believe me, next he goes, if there's 30 righteous, would you, if there's 10 righteous people, would you spare it? And he goes, he goes, how about if there's just one? And what happens? God responds to Abraham's prayer. How does he respond to it? He sends an angel. He sends messengers. He sends a couple messengers. See, heaven is always declaring to us what God's desire is. God, that's why God has sent prophets to do what? To declare his will to us. And, and in the story, we're seeing that, that the, they, they, they come to Lot and say, look, you've got to get out of here. You've got to take your, you need to go talk to your, your daughters. You need to talk to your son-in-law. So, 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 so Lot goes to his son-in-laws and, and, and tells them everything is about to happen. And the son-in-law is like, you're joking, right? <laughs> like, come on, come on, come on, come on, Lot. You, you drank a little too much last night, right? You're, you're joking with us. And, and I want to, let's pick up right there. It says this in verse 15. It says, and when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot 
saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters, which are here, lest you be consumed in the iniquity of the city. You see, if you don't get out of certain environments, you'll be consumed by your environment. That's a, that's a whole side note. You, you know, uh, Edwin Lewis Cole said this. He says, if you just keep hanging out with the wrong people, you'll just still be hanging. So what was God saying? He was, the angels were telling them, you need to get out of this environment. Then he says this in verse um, 16. And while he lingered, meaning he had to, he had to really question what was really going on. He was, he was still kind of contemplating, well, man, there, we have money here. We have jobs here. You know, we're, we're, we're successful. Yeah, it's not the greatest environment, but it said he lingered. I mean, he wasn't really quick to change. And he came to pass when they had, uh, verse 16 again, I'm sorry. And while he lingered, the men laid hold of his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters. And the Lord being merciful unto him. See, what do we see? We see God taking humanity, so to speak, by the hand and saying, look, you've got to change directions. Something's got to change. The Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him outside the city. And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, escape for thy life. Look not behind you. Neither stay thou in all the plains. Escape to the mountains lest you be consumed. And Lot said unto them, oh, not so, my Lord. Now listen to Lot's response. Behold now thy servant hath found grace. Now, that word found grace, that word grace there means not just favor, but it means goodwill. What did the angels declare to the shepherds? Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. God has good thoughts about you. He has good thoughts about your future. That's, that's what mercy does. Now, now it says this, it says, and behold, thy servant hath found goodwill in thy sight. Now listen to this, and you have magnified thy mercy, which thou hast shown unto me in saving my life. How was, how was this abundant? How did he magnify God's mercy? How can we see that God's magnified his mercy? Why? Through what he's done for us. Through the salvation. That was Lot's heartbeat. He said, he goes, I, you've magnified your mercy in my life. Why? Because you saved me. Can, can you say that today, that God's changed your life? I'm telling you, because his mercies. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, it says, it's because his mercies that were not consumed. And it goes on, it says, because his mercy or his tender, loving compassion are new every morning. See, the Christmas, it's a celebration, not just of his goodness, but it's a celebration of his mercy. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. You're just listening intently, right? Let's connect this. Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9, verse 22. Did I say 8? I meant 9. 
What if God, verse 22, what if God willing to show his wrath and to make his power known? He endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. What is this telling us? See, it's saying that God endured. God, had, God is powerful, right? And it says he, he endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, meaning, meaning even though he could consume, even though he could destroy humanity, even though he could, may want to wipe it out and start all over, it says because he's long-suffering. Verse 23, and that he might make known the riches of his glory. That he might reveal the riches of his glory, or he might show the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy. Meaning, yes, there's a part, there's a, a part in the natural that God could, could have destroyed everything, consumed everything. But yet, he desires to show the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy. Look to your neighbor and say, you're a vessel of mercy. See, what is a vessel? A vessel is an object of something. It's a, it's a container that holds something. And I want you to know that you are the vessel of mercy that he's referring to. It doesn't matter about what you've done in the past. It doesn't matter what you did last night. The question is, will you receive the goodness of God? Will you receive the mercy of God? You might be walking through sickness or disease right now, but I want you to understand the celebration of mercy, the celebration of his goodness. See, he wants to reveal and pour out and show the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy. And what is glory? Glory is the power of God. It's the goodness of God. It's the strength of God. It's the grace of God. It's the ability of God. It's the anointing of God. And he desires to show, reveal, and pour out. On each one of us, the riches, riches, abundant overflow, abundant overflow on the vessels of mercy. You don't earn. I mean, you don't, none of us deserve overflow. Well, I I confessed it 327 times. I I, I must be liable for for abundant overflow. Yeah, I I get confessing it and we need to confess it. But that's not the basis of receiving it. The basis of receiving it is knowing it's been made available for you. You're never going to get good enough to be healed. You're never going to get good enough to get saved. It's interesting. We come to God and we receive salvation. But somehow when we miss the mark, we end up going back to what we came out of and all of a sudden we feel like we've got to earn salvation. Well, it was free the first time, but you know that those, those 37 other times, you know, I got to earn it. I got to, I got to be, I got, I got to rip my shirt off and I've got to beg and plead. No, if that had worked, you could have done it in the first place. So Christmas is a celebration of his goodness. It's a celebration of his mercy. Verse 23 again, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory. What does that mean? Ab and Eve were always were prepared, were always meant to be clothed with glory. Adam and Eve were possessed and filled with the fullness of all God is. That's what they were originally prepared for. That's what that means. 
But he was saying, okay, instead of that, I'm going to pour the riches of my glory out on the vessels of mercy. They may not have earned it. They may not deserve it. But because I'm a good father and I'm a good God, I want to pour out the riches of my glory out on my creation. Verse 24, even us, even us. So he's not even going back to saying, yeah, all those in the past are even us. Me, what is he? He's talking about himself. I was a murderer. Even me, even us. Whom he had called not to be Jews only, but also the Gentiles. As he said unto Hosea, I will call them my people, which were not a people. And, and her beloved, but yet not beloved. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, you are not my people, there shall they call the children, there shall they be called the children of the living God. Mm. Not only this, but you're now called it the children of the living God. Verse 27, Isaiah also cried concerning Israel, though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness. Because a short work will the Lord make unto the earth. Look at verse 29. And Isaiah said before, except the Lord of Seboeth had left us a seed. We had been as Sodom and we would have been like Gomorrah. That's why I brought out the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Because I wanted you to see that unless God had sent a seed... Except the Lord of Seboeth. What is Seboeth? Wrote this down. The Lord of Seboeth means the Lord of hosts. It's the title of Jehovah's God, Jehovah God's military might. It's his strength to fight and win battles. It represents that the Lord is the commander of angelic soldiers. So it tells us the Lord, it's not the Lord of the Sabbath, it's the Lord of Seboeth. Meaning it's the Lord of the heavenly host that fights for us. It's the Lord that is full of might and full of strength. Weeks ago, I started this series, The King of Glory. What the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord who's mighty in battle. You see, we, set, we, we are set up for victory when we receive his mercy. And it's because of this, except he, unless he had sent a seed, the, the seed of a savior, a child. Or maybe the seed of the word that came from God. Maybe it was the seed of the word spoken by that angel armies to the shepherds on that day. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the king of kings. You see, if that hadn't happened, we would have been like Sodom. And we would have been like Gomorrah. But I'm so grateful that we have mercy today. I'm so grateful that we have mercy today. So Christmas is a celebration of the goodness of God. It's a celebration of the mercy of God. Let's go to Psalms 145. Psalms 145. We'll read verse 8 and 9 first. Psalms 145 says, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion. 
slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all. The Lord is good to all. Put your name there. The Lord is good to Justin. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. All his works. At first, when I would read this years ago, I always thought of, you know, the things. I didn't put myself in that, classified myself as one of his works. I always thought it was like an object that you see or, you know, trees or those things. But when I realized that his tender mercies are over all his works, I'm his work. I'm his work. His tender mercy is over you today. Because of his tender mercies that are over all his works, I have a right to be healed. It's my right. It's my it's a covenant right for me. It's my right. It's 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 what I have the right to come boldly to. His tender mercies are over all his works. Let's look at verse 3. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. So not only is Christmas a celebration of his goodness. It's a celebration of his mercy. But it's also a celebration of his power. Let me read this and let me read this verse in the message. It says this. God is magnificent. He can never be praised enough. And there are no boundaries to his greatness. Let me read that again. Just just follow along. God is magnificent. He can never be praised enough. And there are no boundaries to his greatness. There's nothing that my God cannot do. There's nothing that my God cannot provide. There's nothing that my God cannot heal. There's nothing that my God cannot restore. There's nothing too foregone that he can't forgive. God is magnificent. He can never be praised enough and there's no boundaries to his greatness. Don't limit God on what he can do in your life. Take the limitations off the creator. Now this this next year, abundant overflow. 2021, a year of abundant overflow. Don't put cap on God. Don't put limitations on a God that can't be limited. I'm telling you, it says he, he, his greatness. And it says there's no boundary to what he can do. Let's go to Isaiah 40 and I'll close with this. Isaiah 40. There's no boundaries to his greatness. Thank you, Father. Celebrating his goodness, celebrating his mercy, and celebrating his power. Look in verse 24. I'm going to read this in the Amplified. 
Yes, these men are scarcely planted. Scarcely are they sown. Scarcely does their stock take root in the earth. When the Lord blows upon them and they wither and the whirlwind or tempest takes them away like stubble. Verse 25. To whom then will you liken me that I should be equal to him, says the Holy One. Meaning, so often we try to compare our situation to God's ability to do it or not do it. He's talking about, the, in verse 24, they're talking about false gods. And they're talking about, you can't compare me to them. So I want to encourage you, let's not compare our situation as being bigger than what God can do. Let's look at the next verse. 26 says, Lift up your eyes on high and see. Who has created these? Who brings out their host by number and calls them all by name? Through the greatness of his might and because he's strong in power, not one is missing or lacks anything. I think we need to read that again. Now think about this. Lift your eyes on high and see who has created these. He who brings out their host by number and calls them all by name through the greatness of his might. And because he is strong in power, not one is missing or lacks anything. (laughs) Think about that. Think about having a God that doesn't have limitations. I mean, what is he saying? It said because of his strength and because of his power, no one is lacking anything. What would it look like in your life if you didn't lack anything? What would it look like if there was no health lacking in your body? What would it look like if you had, you didn't lack any finances in any way? What would it look like? This is what he's trying to get a hold of them. He's saying, because you keep comparing your gods to me. And the thing is, when you do that, you set yourself up to fail. You set yourself up to settle for something less than what you have a right to. Because, because I'm a God that is strong and I'm a God that has no boundaries. And when you follow me and understand me, no one will be lacking anything. And some of you are like, well, I don't know about that. I'm not sure. I'm still lacking in this, still lacking. It's not about you earning it or deserving it. The next verse says this. Why, O Jacob, do you say and declare, O Israel, my way and my lot are hidden from the Lord, and my right is passed over without regard from my God? Why was God telling this? He says, because this is what my people are saying about me. What were God's people saying about, about him? What do they say? He says, my way and my lot are hidden from God. Have you ever made the statement, God, do you see what I'm going through? That's exactly what he was saying. That's exactly, that's exactly, my way is hidden from God. God God doesn't care about me. God doesn't care where I'm at. God doesn't care what I'm going through. God doesn't care anything about me. That's exactly what's being said here. It says, my right is passed over without regard from my God. Meaning, meaning God's passed over me because he doesn't care about me. Then the next verse says this. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not faint or grow weary. 
and there's no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint and weary, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. So why would you say that God doesn't care? Why would you say that God doesn't see me? What is he saying? Why? Because you're not convinced. Because you don't know. Maybe you haven't heard. It's like, it's like you haven't heard that. Look, I'm the everlasting God. I'm the creator. And in me, there's power, there's might, and there's strength. So when we celebrate Christmas, realize we're celebrating his presence. We're celebrating his goodness. We're celebrating his mercy. We're celebrating his power and his ability. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. There's nothing that my God cannot do. You know, I, I, I understand. I've, I, some of those things I've said. God, do you see what's going on right now? Don't you care what I'm going through? Don't you see this issue that's happening and this thing that keeps coming up? And Don't limit God by what your current situation may look like. There's no limit to what God can do in your life. Thank you, Father. Oh, Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your peace and your presence. That's resting in this place and resting over this place this morning. I thank you for the victory that we have because of Jesus. I thank you that you sent your son and died for us. Thank you that you saved us. I thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. I thank you that you are a healing Jesus. As you multiplied loaves and fish, I thank you that you still have the ability to take something little and make it much. We take off every limitation as we step in, not just to this week of Christmas, but as we step into the year of abundant overflow. I thank you for your peace, your power, and your presence. Thank you, Father. Would you lift your hands and just start worshiping him and praising him? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Merry Christmas. A celebration of the anointing. And I believe his anointing is present in this place right now. If you need prayer for any sickness that you've been battling with and dealing with. I want you to come to the altar. Hallelujah. There's nothing that my God cannot do. Thank you, Jesus. Just worship him. Worship him. Lord, we worship you. We praise you. We worship you and we praise you, Father. We worship you and we praise you, Father. Thank you, Jesus.
We worship you and we praise you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we worship you. Oh, we thank you for the goodness of God. We thank you for the goodness of God that's been made available for each one of us. I thank you when our Savior appeared to save us, not of any works that we could do, but it was because of your mercy. I thank you for mercy. You declare mercy. We come to you today, Father, and we, we, we bring our lives before you and we humble ourselves into your mighty hand. We recognize our need for you. We recognize our, 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 our need for you in every area of our lives, not just something that we do on Sundays, but something that we acknowledge that we need you in our lives. And as we celebrate Christmas, we, we celebrate this, the reality of our need for a savior that desires to pour out the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy. I thank you for pouring your glory out in this place today. And I thank you what found is what's found in your presence. Strength is in your presence. Forgiveness is in your presence. Life is in his presence. Grace is in his presence. Whatever you have need of today, it's, it's here. It's, it's available. Just start thanking him for his mercy in your life. Thank you for the things you brought me through that I didn't even know that I was about to face. Thank you for the protection that things that, that you kept me from, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Lord. 